Welcome to WeTalk. My name is Antonio Mazza. I'm a co-founder of WeNetwork, and I will be your host for today's episode. WeNetwork is a fast-growing, high-quality recruitment business with offices in Jakarta and Singapore. In WeTalk, we will unveil topics all around recruiting, career, business, and many more. The COVID-19 pandemic made a lot of countries realize how unprepared their healthcare infrastructure and policies were. This issue is particularly prevalent in emerging markets. As an example, Indonesia had less than 5,000 available ICU beds across the country for a population of over 270 million people. This presented new opportunities for many medical tech businesses to accelerate their process in innovating and support healthcare system. As an example, uh, Mclinica, which is a fast-growing medtech company with a focused vision to empower pharmacies across emerging markets. We're very pleased to have our guest today, Vasil Rusinov, COO of Mclinica. Thanks for being here, Vasil. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So, Vasil, I had the pleasure of meeting you when you first joined Mclinica, I think it was around 2015. Um, but prior to that, I remember that you were working for some of the fastest growing rocket internet ventures in Southeast Asia, Lamud, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so uh, uh, as an initial start of this discussion, can you please share with us about yourself and your story? Yeah, absolutely. You remember correctly. Uh, so I'm, I'm originally from Bulgaria. Uh, I grew up in a fairly small town in Bulgaria. Uh, but when I was 18, I uh, left the country and moved to Denmark to pursue my studies. So in Denmark, I studied finance and uh, international business. Uh, and, you know, I was living a fairly tracked life towards either joining a, an investment bank or a management consulti- consulting firm. Uh, but while I was in university, I was also very much drawn to entrepreneurship. Um, so I ended up running my first business when I was 21 years old in FMB, followed by uh, another small uh, startup that I did with, with a friend of mine in the PR consulting space. Um, so I was always excited about the idea of, of building companies. Um, and that's when, towards the end of my studies, uh, when I saw an opportunity in Malaysia to work for a fast-growing startup with some ex-Rocket Internet uh, kind of executives. So that's how I took a leap of faith and decided to leave a, a very comfortable life in Denmark and kind of attract life of a nine to five career opportunity and uh, move to Malaysia with really just a couple of weeks notice. Uh, and that's when that was my first exposure to Southeast Asia. And I really fell in love with the region. Um, I realized there's so much more dynamism in this part of the world than uh, back in Europe. So I knew that this is where I'd like to, uh, to stay. So fast forward a couple of years and another startup that I started uh, with a mixed success. That's when um, an old colleague of mine from Malaysia contacted me and said that he's starting Lamudi in Indonesia, which is Rocket Internet's uh, property classifieds business, and he wanted me to join the team. So uh, I was excited to work again with with Karen Ketten is his name. Um, so I, again, decided to take a leap of faith. And uh, more than six years ago, I moved to Jakarta uh, to join Rocket Internet. 
uh, and I would say that it was a very, very interesting experience uh, because depending on the time you join uh, at Rocket Internet and the venture you join at Rocket Internet, you can have a very different experience. I was very lucky to be working with uh, a great team in Lamudi, which was uh, one of, uh, it was still fairly early uh, compared to Lazada, Zalora. At that time, they were already very big. So what I learned is a lot around how do you make the most with limited resources and how to really use metrics-driven approach, uh, no excuses mentality to uh, grow a business across multiple countries um, and you know see a lot of the, the pivoting around business models in Southeast Asia uh, and finding ways to basically generate revenue uh, in creative ways. So that was really, really an, uh, an exciting experience. But after a year, uh, I felt like I was, again, ready to venture out on my, uh, either on my own startup or uh, joining a, an interesting business model that had a, a bigger mission than, you know, for example, property classifieds, right? Uh, at the end of the day, you know, people like me and you, Antonio, we come to this part of the world with big ideas of, you know, uh, having a, an impact and somewhat building a legacy uh, in that region. So that's when, uh, by you know, serendipity, uh, I met Farouk Merali, who is the original founder and uh, CEO of M Clinica. And he told me about the challenge of, uh, that pharmacies are facing in Southeast Asia and the fact that there's no single company out there that is focusing on addressing those challenges and leveraging the pharmacy as a channel to improve public health. So again, uh, another leap of faith, much like, you know, it always happens in startups. I decided to join him. Uh, at that stage, M Clinica was post seed startup. Uh, I joined him to expand to Indonesia. Uh, at that time, M Clinica was in the Philippines uh, and Vietnam. And that's how I joined the team and very quickly became good friends with Farouk as well. And you know, fast forward uh, five and a half years down the road. Now we're in six countries and, and where we are today. Uh, Vasil, um, you know, I know the story very well, but I think our audience will be pretty interested about why Philippines, because Farouk is originally from Canada, right? And you are originally from Bulgaria. So why Philippines? <laughs> yeah, so that's a very good question. And we get asked a lot. Uh, about this. So first, a little bit about Farouk's background. So he's from Canada originally. He studied biochemistry in McGill University and then studied public health in Harvard. Uh, after graduating from Harvard, he worked for the big pharmaceutical companies in the U.S. like Pfizer, Sanofi, Johnson & Johnson. And his last uh, gig was in San Francisco working for Roche, which is you know, uh, one of the largest pharmaceutical companies uh, in the world. And he had a very comfortable job, you know, plenty of avocado toasts and expensive, uh, you know, coffee in the Bay Area, surrounded by a lot of tech entrepreneurs. And he really felt like he's not really living up to his mission. You know, he studied public health after all, but he wasn't really having that impact. What he realized is that pharmacies in Southeast Asia are very fragmented. And in a way, a country like Indonesia resembles the U.S. 50 or 60 years ago. Um, 
there's many independent mom and pop run pharmacies, uh, very, very fragmented, which creates this big data and access gap. So he had this idea that by using technology, we can consolidate the pharmacy channel and help pharmaceutical companies, government agencies like ministries of health and FDAs and NGOs better engage with the, with the pharmacies. And he pitched this idea to a, to a big pharmaceutical company in New Jersey. And, uh, you know, they actually loved the idea and they said, we're going to be your first client if you go to the Philippines, right? So we kind of had that luxury or he had that luxury of starting a startup with an existing client. And as you know, as an entrepreneur yourself, that is a great position to be in. Uh, so that's how we ended up in, in Southeast Asia, in, in the Philippines. Um, that's the backstory. And it's a very funny story, right? Because, you know, usually you start uh, a startup in a market that you know very well, right? Uh, you you are pretty much in your comfort zone. But in Farouk's uh, uh, case, right, he started in a country that he, he probably has never been to, right? Exactly. So um, he started in a country that he's never been with a team that did not exist and he had to build. And he had about a month to sign up the first pharmacy. So it was exciting times for him. <laughs> Um, but it paid off in the long run, right? Um, so, uh, you know, Vasil, uh, you mentioned earlier a bit about uh, M-Clinica business model, which, to be honest with you, it sounds very complex because, you know, you guys are pretty much connecting two different worlds, three, four different kind of organization from government to local pharmacies to pharmaceutical conglomerate, right? So can you break it down for us? Um, and most importantly... Why is the business focusing so much on pharmacies? Yeah, so so that's another great question. If you, uh, as an outsider to the healthcare industry in general, uh, it does seem like a very complicated industry where sometimes the user is different than the person that pays the bills, than you know the person providing the care. So there's definitely a lot of complexities in operating in a highly regulated space like healthcare. Having said that, once you're in it, the business is really not that complicated. So first, maybe a good way for me to explain this is to start with our mission. So what our mission at M-Clinica really is to empower pharmacy professionals to better serve patients and manage their pharmacies. And then the follow-up to this is why are pharmacies important in the first place? If you look at a country like Indonesia, for example, there are not enough doctors per capita. In fact, Indonesia has the second worst doctor per capita ratio in Southeast Asia, only better than Cambodia. So that lack of access to doctors and uh, in general access to healthcare creates big lines in hospitals creates limited capacity to serve patients. And those patients, what they do is they end up going to the pharmacy. In fact, patients tend to go to pharmacies about 12 times a year compared to 1.2 times a year that they go to physicians and doctors. So, I mean, I think you might have experienced that as well. In Indonesia, when you get sick, you really go to the pharmacy and try to get a remedy. So actually... Pharmacies play a very important role in providing primary and secondary uh, healthcare services, 
especially as you go outside of the big cities and into rural areas. Having said that, as I mentioned earlier, if you look at the more than 20,000 apotheks, pharmacies in Indonesia, more than 90% are independent mom and pop shops. Chains represent only 10% of the business. So that creates a big data and access gap. What that means is organizations like pharmaceutical companies, governments, NGOs, they don't have a clear visibility on how medicine is being utilized, on what kind of patients are going to this private sector of the healthcare space. And what's interesting is even if they did have the data, they don't have a single consolidated way to reach out to 20,000 apotheks at scale. So this is amplified, that challenge is amplified already now with COVID-19, where people are even scared to go to hospitals because they're scared of contracting COVID-19. So pharmacies play an increasingly important role. So then how do we go about solving that data and access challenge is by Again, going back to the original idea of using mobile technology to, in a way, consolidate all pharmacies in Southeast Asia on a common platform. So our flagship product is called SwiperX. It's a mobile app that is to serve as the super app for pharmacy professionals. Just celebrated 40 years anniversary, right? That's right. That's right. So we launched in January 2017 in the Philippines and in Indonesia. And now we are represented in uh, Indonesia, Philippines, Malaysia, Thailand, Vietnam, and Cambodia. We have teams on the ground and collectively we have almost 200,000 users, which also represents one in every three licensed pharmacists in Southeast Asia. So we have managed to build this uh, you know, application that provides many different types of services to pharmacy professionals. Those services include accredited education. What that means is pharmacists, much like doctors, they need to go through continuing medical education to upgrade their skills. Usually that takes a lot of time and they need to go to seminars. What we do is we partner with the different pharmacy associations in the different countries to provide free accredited education to pharmacies. What we were in a way, actually the first mobile app to give professional education to pharmacists in Southeast Asia. That's something we're very proud of. We, in the data, we can actually see certificates being uh, given to pharmacists in Papua, for example, which would otherwise have to travel six hours on a bus or on a boat to go to a seminar. And usually there's not enough seminars for them. Apart from education, they also have access to a community forum where they can ask questions and get answers. It's like a Quora type of feature. And they, as pharmacies, you know, they have a lot of different challenges that they face every day. How do I renew my license? Uh, Sometimes they even upload pictures of prescriptions because they cannot read it. So they need help from fellow pharmacists. So it's been very interesting to see how they discuss clinical cases on the app. And actually that's how they also uh, upgrade their skill set. There's also job opportunities, drug directories, and as of about two years ago, there is also a procurement feature where they can buy their inventory from uh, reputable distributors on our platform. So what that means is, you know, SwiperX is this one-stop solution for pharmacies. 
and for the pharmacy channel, where we our goal is to consolidate the market in a way uh, to generate data and to provide access to pharmaceutical companies, governments, and NGOs to engage with that uh, channel. From a business model perspective, the way we generate revenue is largely through two components to the business. One is a software as a service uh, subscription model where pharmaceutical companies can uh, push education to the market, they can run surveys, they can do advertising. And on, on the other side, we have the procurement element where we take uh, basically cut on every medicine that's sold on our platform to pharmacies. That totally makes sense. And thanks, Vasil, to explaining more about, you know, your mission, which is empowering uh, um, pharmacies, because empower, it's a probably commonly used term in tech, but a lot of times is... It's it's a bit overrated right? in the sense that everyone is trying to empower someone. So thanks for sharing in details what you guys are doing practically to empower pharmacists. Now, a mix of personal or professional quests. Um, Mclinica has over six offices across the region. So why you decided to be based in Indonesia? Yeah, um, multiple reasons for this. While we're officially headquartered in Singapore... A lot of our regional team actually sits in Jakarta in Indonesia, including myself and Farouk, the CEO. The reason for this is Indonesia represents, just from a macroeconomic perspective and from demographic trends, it does represent the largest opportunity in Southeast Asia right now. And it's in a way what you might have heard before, people referring to it as the crown jewel of Southeast Asia. It's a must-win market for any company that has regional aspirations. So what happens is, while we're in six countries, the way we operate is we try to centralize the regional team as much as possible in Indonesia, and then have local teams in the different countries with local country leads that can, in effect, act as mini-CEOs and mini-co-founders in those countries. So... Uh, usually I would also get to travel and meet the teams across the countries. Naturally, the last year had no travel. Uh, but Indonesia, from a professional standpoint, is a very exciting place to build a company. Because if you look at the just the government will to innovate and use technology to grow has been very spectacular. Even if you look at the, the presidential debates, Jokowi was bringing up number of unicorns per capita or something like that. Uh, so that shows the, the sheer determination of, uh, you know, the government to actually facilitate growth in the country. Uh, and that has been very unique and great to see in Indonesia. From a personal standpoint, me, much like yourself, uh, I, I found uh, my wife here um, or my my better half. So uh, I... I do consider myself uh, almost a naturalized Indonesian by now, and that's what I call home, and I have no plans to leave. So it's been, Indonesia has been wonderful to me. I have many great friends here, and it's been really great. Excellent. But uh, now, Vasil, more of a curiosity from my side, because scaling up a, a, a company on a regional scale like you guys are doing for Mclinica, centralizing operation ca- can come with 
benefits, but as well challenges, because each country in the region have, you know, different cultures, mindset. So what's your strategy in order to overcome these challenges? Yeah, that's that's exactly right. So first and foremost, the way we we build a business is very much around pattern recognitions. What happens is each country has similarities to one another, and they also have differences. For example, if you compare Indonesia to Vietnam to Thailand, there is a very large fragmentation in all of those countries, but at the same time, meaning fragmentation of the pharmacy channel, but at the same time, uh, cultures are vastly different and organizations, governments, even pharmaceutical companies operate in slightly different ways. The way we tackle this is we actually have uh, these senior managers in the team and they come from different backgrounds. Some of them come from, let's say, seven years investment banking in Morgan Stanley. Others are pharmacists by background, Harvard public health educated, much like Farouk, that you know really want to focus on solving the pharmacy challenge. Uh, we have ex-Rocket Internet uh, senior managers as well. So we have this diverse team that very much acts as uh, founders in a way, or rather, you know, business owners. So what they do is when they go to the different countries, they make sure that our core culture of MClinica is preserved, but they also make sure that they work with local experts. So in each country, we actually have a local uh, team and a local counterpart to the Indonesian, uh, you know, uh, local managers to help us navigate through the space. So when it comes to technology, when it comes to marketing initiatives, when it comes to data, a lot of the infrastructure can be regional. When it comes to the actual campaigns, the actual tactics and strategies to be deployed uh, locally is, uh, is up to the local teams. The execution, right? Correct. A great example of that is our country lead in, in Thailand. So she has been working with us for uh, more than three years now. She used to be the captain of the basketball team in Brown University. Wow. She's a, she's a stellar leader, uh, very empathic. She understands how we build the company because she has seen us go through multiple you know, mistakes, multiple things getting right. So she knows what it takes to build M-Clinica in Thailand. She locally has a commercial director, has a very strong local HR to help her navigate and build, you know, the M-Clinica Thailand locally adjusted to the Thai reality. And now what is happening is, as we're bringing, for example, the our trade business to Thailand, it's growing very fast because we're not repeating the same mistakes that we might have done in Indonesia and we're also adapting to the local environment. But uh, Vasil, now after almost five years and a half in the medical tech industry, um, what kind of opportunities do you think lie ahead of MClinica? And what kind of challenges uh, you might be facing in the future? The opportunities very much have remained the same um, in our view. And if anything, they have really uh, accelerated uh, other people seeing the same opportunities as us. Uh, and what I mean by that is when we first started M-Clinica, the general pharmaceutical industry paradigm 
was that the most important stakeholders are the doctors because they write prescriptions. In reality, we always believe that there is, even when you go to the pharmacy with a prescription, it's the pharmacist's responsibility to educate you how to take your medicine, to ensure that you adhere to the treatment and don't drop out earlier. And sometimes they can even recommend you an alternative, either a cheaper or a more expensive medicine, etc. So we always believe that pharmacies are a critical stakeholder, but somehow they're, they've been neglected. What has happened over the last six years is people and pharmaceutical companies, governments, NGOs have really recognized the role of the pharmacy as a healthcare provider in Southeast Asia's markets. What happened last year was a massive acceleration of the otherwise very traditional pharmaceutical companies towards digitizations. I would say before 2020, only the big pharmaceutical companies were trying different digital initiatives. And, you know, largely we've been the, the pioneers of that for the pharmacy channel for them across Southeast Asia. In 2020, when COVID-19 hit and obviously they couldn't send sales reps, they couldn't deploy seminars and what their traditional way of engaging with the channel was, they had to look for alternatives. And that's where, you know, that has helped us a lot in solidifying our investment thesis in, in the pharmacy space. Going forward, the opportunities that we see uh, in the pharmaceutical space is that patients and pharmacists themselves will also understand the importance of, of the channel, which means that the uh, reputation of that channel will only going to increase. And for us as a company, we're uniquely positioned to be the only company out there that is exclusively focused on pharmacies. What's important for us is to remain fo focused because in healthcare, there's so many problems that you can solve. Anything from doctor booking to, you know, medicine delivery to patients to uh, DNA sequencing and targeted nutrition. So there's so many different problems that can be that can be tackled. But where usually health tech companies, you know, make mistakes is when they try to solve too many problems at the same time. So for us, the opportunity still remains at the pharmacy, and that's where we're deploying all of our resources. Uh, and still the mission is to help these businesses better serve patients, manage their pharmacies, and ultimately bridge the gap between different stakeholders and the pharmacy channel. And Vasil, now let's talk about something that it's more my world, but I would love to hear more your opinion on this. I've always been fascinated by the diversity in your team. As you mentioned, you have Rocket Gang, you have pharma professionals, you have investment bankers. Uh, but when recruiting, you are competing as well in attracting talents uh, for a so-called young tech vertical, right? Which is the B2B medical tech. Uh, and you're competing with the big names for e-commerce and fintech. Would you consider this an advantage for you or a disadvantage? And what kind of challenges have you faced trying to recruit talents for your team? Yeah, uh, I mean, me and you have that conversation very, very often, uh, especially around the challenges. I would say being in healthcare, uh, is less of a challenge when it comes to, you know, being compared to, let's say, fintech or uh, other, you know, industries. 
especially if you look at last year, I think there was a bigger shift of professionals towards building something for the community, kind of focusing on what's important, focusing on impact and focusing on healthcare as well. So I would say from an industry perspective, last year, there was definitely more interest in the space from what we have seen. And the, the talent pool that we talk to, they tend to indicate that healthcare and impact is an actual reason for them to join our company. And we have seen that most of the professionals that have been successful uh, at our company are people that have this uh, strong inner sense of purpose and mission, and they would like to build in a way, a legacy and a company that they're proud of. So from that perspective, I would say we're not at a disadvantage. Having said that, being a business to business behind the scene type of company, where we're in a way building the, the, the healthcare infrastructure of Indonesia and the rest of the countries, that does not put us on the spotlight. So what happens is I would say we are slightly at a disadvantage to a B2C company. That's where we would might be facing the challenges. And I think you know that as well from your experience. The bigger, the hardest thing for a company of our size is to compete against Gojek and, yeah, right, and the big unicorns out there, uh, Tokopedia, etc. Having said that, companies of our size are also well positioned to attract the talent that we specifically are looking for, which are these hungry entrepreneurial type of professionals that don't necessarily want to be part of the big engine, but rather would like to join a company where they would still get enough face time with the C-level executives, with the senior management, and they would have an actual impact on the company. So, you know, it's both, there are some positives and negatives of being a, a company of our size in the healthcare space. But for us, it's also a lot about attracting the right talent and the talent for us. You have a great support, right? In attracting good talent from with the WinNetwork team. Well, we, you've been a great <laughs> partner to us. Uh, so, so thank you so much. You know our business so well by now and the type of people we look for. So your success rate has been very high. <laughs> Thanks, Basil. Now, a personal question, because I know you are a avid uh, book reader, right? So... What kind of books you will suggest uh, people to read, uh, which is a must read for you if they want to work in a startup environment? Anything on top of your mind? Yeah, there are a lot of books. I would say, you know, if you're talking about working in a startup, reading books or listening to podcasts is very, very important. Because if you compare to a very old established big company, what happens is you might have a lot of different resources already existing there. But in a startup, you actually always need to be hungry to learn more, to get an understanding of how your managers think about the business, to get an understanding of how your team and subordinates uh, think about working with you. So there's a lot of aspects of building a company that are you know, not intuitive and only through being very hungry and learning more is uh, is how you would achieve that. Now, my hack is actually audiobooks. So I barely read. I would say Jakarta gives a lot of opportunity in traffic to listen to audiobooks. So I would say the number one recommendation would be if you don't have time to read or you read slow, go for audiobooks and podcasts. That has helped me a lot. In terms of books to recommend, there are really a lot. 
I would say for working in a startup, the hard thing about hard things by Ben Horowitz is a great uh, book about really the challenges and the struggles of, of a founder to grow a team, uh, to grow a team, to grow a company, to go through the really downturns of economy as well. And that hopefully would help any startup professional, whether if it's an executive or even a rank, rank like entry level, uh, empathize with what it's like to build a company and understand the, the dynamics. Another great book that I think is very, very helpful in terms of mentality is Extreme Ownership by Joko Willing. So that's a, a very easy to read and entertaining in a way book about how it's really about taking ownership in the company and no job too big, no job too small, regardless of what level you're in. And it's emphasizing the importance of your responsibility to both manage up and manage down. Because in a startup, there's a lot of things that go wrong, uh, a lot of things that go right, and all of a sudden you're facing a scale issue. So it's very dynamic. And that book really emphasizes the importance of clear communication, discipline, and extreme ownership. What an amazing suggestion and discussion. Grazie for joining us, Vasil. Thank you. Thank you for having me. If you have any further questions you would like to ask Vasil or WeNetwork, don't hesitate to contact us. See you soon and sampai jumpa lagi.